is all the way down in my headphones and my headphones are in my brightness is down just for my own battery okay we're trying this again <laughs> okay I tried to do this and there was echo, so I'm back. Uh, I am going to be joined by my college roommate. Well, one of my college roommates, um, Sarah, AKA FOMO machine. Um, we were reconnecting last night and decided to just, you know, exploit our adolescence a little bit more, you know? <laughs> tell some stories from a cramped apartment in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're also uh, recording on a Zoom call. Oh, wait. Let me add you in, Sarah. Which one? Adding you. Oh my God, perfect woman. Perfect woman. Okay, here, here you are. All right. Hello. Someone just called you the perfect woman. How does that make you feel? Uh, imperfect. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Ooh, no woman is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So we followed each other for years. Oh, last night you were like, I'm so sorry. I unfollowed you once. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Sarah, I post nudes and not everybody needs to see that. So you oh my god that was so strange I think I was just like trying to reduce like who am I in touch with that I actually talk to anymore and, I don't like, talk to anybody from school that's wild I mean I did it for years and then I've reconnected with a few yeah I mean do you think we should say where we went to school I mean that why not why okay not? We, we went to Fordham University um the Lincoln Center campus not Bros Hill yeah, um, so, so the main, the main Fordham campus was in the Bronx and we went to the campus right next to, uh, the fucking uh, opera house Lincoln center, the, like, yeah. the ballet and the opera and everything. Trump tower. Yeah. Trump tower. Did you know our first year at Fordham, I went and like photographed fashion week at Lincoln center. Wait, I did too. No way. I don't remember. I don't think we, we, we met yet. Yeah, we met <laughs> sophomore year and we were roommates sophomore year. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What, what happened when you went to go photograph Fashion Week? Because mine was like a random coincidence. Mine was pretty cool. It was like, wow, I'm in New York. I'm into photography. There is a fucking fashion event next door. I'm going. <laughs> and so I took my DSLR, my like Nikon, whatever. And I met a bunch of the photographers and it was just fun. Like doing street photography, basically with like both the attendees and any models I could find. And then the photographers were like, you should get in these photos with these people so we can get photos of them. And then I got photos with like Sean Lennon and Sean Lennon's girlfriend, who's gorgeous, Charlotte Kent Mule. I didn't meet anybody famous. Um, I, mean, I just, <laughs> my situation was like, I did the same thing. And then there was this like 60 something French man who was just like, your camera is so beautiful. You are so beautiful. Come be my apprentice. Um, and I funny. went to fashion week with him and I thought he was going to try to hook up with me. 
Uh, but instead he was just like a weird helicopter dad. Like he was like, you're, you're 18, you can't drink. And I was just like, this isn't fun. I did not sign up to be. You were um, hoping he would at least, you'd have to like uh, tell him to stop making moves on you versus. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd have to swat <laughs> his hands away from my crotch. And no, that's, I, <laughs> that's really funny. No, I, yeah. Same experience then. Kind of a version of it. But yeah, I remember first things I remember at you were like, you always had a bagel with cream cheese in our philosophy class, I think. Oh, we did meet in philosophy class because <laughs> our and school you, required us to take philosophy because it's a yes. Jesuit school. Yeah. Yes. And then I ended up majoring in it and I loved it. It was like my favorite thing. Um, I love that professor. He like studied physics for a while. Then he went to grad school for physics. And then he was like, physics is stupid. Philosophy is smart. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I've never met anybody who was like gonna say that you know what I mean um that was pretty cool I liked that class as well and I feel like I was really the typical angry atheist college student <laughs> I bet you were no I loved it because I I did really well in it and he was like you're made for this and I was like okay and then I remember he was like mad at me because I tried to transfer to NYU and do a double major in philosophy and marketing. And I think he lost respect for me, but I was trying to figure out how to have a job. Wait, what, what was your job at the time? Well, I mean, I was in college at the time, but I was like aware that philosophy was like either a degree before you get a trade or go to grad school or it's a weird track to academia. I was like, I need to maybe do something else too. And I have ego issues because allegedly NYU is where smart, cool people go. So You're I got to go there. And <laughs> so NYU stupid. is where I wanted to go as well. And I think it's just like a known joke amongst Fordham students that like we all wanted to go to NYU. Oh, everyone did. We, we were like the B, the B students, you yeah. know? <laughs> like <laughs> I'll try, but not that hard. And like only in things I want. Exactly. And I was partying every single night, every single yeah. night, I think, wow. um, commuting Wild. to Williamsburg to go to the DIY shows, you know, that's wild. Um, yeah, you were like incredibly brave. I was not yet ready for New York. I was like, I need to stay in a two to three block radius. I can't believe anybody goes to Brooklyn. I think I went to Brooklyn like twice to visit my friend at Pratt and it felt like, oh my God, like to the ends of the earth. <laughs> Getting off at Hoyt Schirmerhorn from Lincoln Center. I was like, this is so far. They're so brave. Like, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Meanwhile, like I haven't, I go back to New York because my mom lives there, but like now people are living out by like Broadway Junction and like, you know, yeah, like where the yeah. day and the L meet up. And yeah, I mean, yeah. that's how far the gentrification has spread. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, the things have changed too. Like they built Atlantic Barclays Center, I think in 2012. And that obviously changed the neighborhood and the trains a lot, you know, mm -hmm. like I remember Hoyt, that stop was like desolate. It's no longer desolate. <laughs> I know there's a, a coffee shop at every corner now yeah exactly uh, exactly but so then, yeah we shared a, I mean we shared a bedroom wall for a year yes and it was a very cramped apartment yes. I, I mean it was like people are like where did you live in New York and I try to describe that neighborhood and people are like where why um because yeah. it was just like basically New Jersey yeah. um yeah and 
it was like a three bedroom apartment. You could just really fit like a bed and a desk in each room. And like you had the tiniest room of all three rooms because you got the last cook. Uh, Listen, here's what I knew. Here's what I knew, Zoe. I was like, they need more space than me. Both of them need it. I'm just not going to deal with the idea of vouching for myself because yeah why stand up for yourself why stand up for yourself yeah that was definitely my mindset for many years why stand up for yourself but also come on like it's not that big a deal like we were in college and I did have a closet you did have a closet yeah you may not remember it because this is my one thing that I would like to uh yeah tell you about yeah yeah like my major memory is like I had a closet in the common area which was a kitchen living room hallway you know and that was where all my shit was and then by the end of my time there you just started putting your shit in it you just started putting your shit in it and wow you could have asked you could have asked yeah, I had my whole ass closet to myself. I manspreaded. Uh, she into manspreaded. Also, yeah, women can manspread too. That's something we don't talk about much. Yeah, you know, manspreading is a genderless concept. Anybody can do it. Uh, <laughs> no, it is funny. It's like there's something about it that, like, anybody can do. Um, but I thought yeah. you were going to say something way worse. No. Because our other roommate, who will go unnamed, yeah. Uh, would always be like, you woke me up fucking in the shower. Fuck you. <laughs> and that's, I guess that's a humble brag on my part, though. No, that's, that is a flex. I was having so much sex. I bothered my roommates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, last year I got like a note on the door from the neighbor. Uh, I have to interrupt the podcast to briefly plug our sponsor, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is a cop show, um, but make it cute and underage. Uh, it's a bunch of little puppies running around as cops and firemen. Um, adorable, honestly. Like they save like kittens from trees and like trains from rock slides. What the what the fuck is the like childhood focus on trains about? How have we never moved on from that? It, it reminds me of like that game with like the hoop and the stick. The fixation on trains? Um, anyway, I Paw Patrol reminds me of the military because it's a bunch of young little puppies making terrible choices uh, for the country and themselves. <laughs> what 18-year-old man, I mean maybe a woman too, is smart enough to make that choice to go to war? Do you think maybe it's because they have to? Do you think maybe it's because maybe there's no reason to live anymore? Um, no, I think you can find other ways to live, but I think people think that maybe that's the one, and I don't, I don't agree. Okay. Um, back to the episode. Uh, yeah. I wrote the most fucked up essay trying to get into NYU. What was the subject? You don't, have, you don't have to say. If it my was... grandparents killing themselves. <laughs> but you know why I wrote about that? Because the Ivy League girl in my town whose parents went to Ivy Leagues sat me down and interviewed me and she mined me for my trauma. And she, oh, wow. she, when she heard that, she was like, that's your story. It's so funny how on social <laughs> media, when we, when we are like dump- dumping our trauma 
and and know that like a, a part of our brain does know like we're going to be getting attention from this even if we are saying a very important message it's so funny how that same dynamic like comes out in the college essay like it doesn't sound exploitative but at the end of the day we are like okay what's the most fucked up thing i can tell college admissions to make them be like wow like they've been through a lot like we should and there is like this bizarre like chain of conf conflict of interest where it's like it's totally valid to want to be understood in terms of something that has shaped you and it undoubtedly affected my mother and therefore deeply affected me wow um i don't think i understood that at the time you know but it was mm. like this is in general how i feel especially as a woman because everybody expects you to make your work about your personal life and like right. i of course my personal life is part of who I am, but I've really recently reached a point where it's like, you know, I need to be thinking like, yeah, there might be minor catharsis in sharing this, this experience I had, but there actually might be uh, more pain in revealing so much of who I am to people who don't know me. Like maybe what I need to do is like talk about that with my friends yeah. and make art about it and not mm. like fucking tell everyone about myself because I end up feeling really naked and like that's how it feels when I've like bombed doing stand-up like about my life <laughs> I think it I sucks. mean bombing during stand-up is not a experience I've ever had but like that I think that's like a a very brave thing to do especially as a female comedian you know um I yeah, mean, it's I, just, I think I have like an excitement to, for risk taking. I think risk taking right. is really fun for me. And of course I like to talk. So it's like, cool. Like we can do those both right now. Like that's <laughs> also, I think there's something fun with stand up as a woman for me. That's like, no one thinks I'm funny. And <laughs> look, I get on stage I think you're and I'm funny. like, well, that's nice of you because it's the internet. But like, <laughs> if you don't know me and we're just in a room, you probably assume that I have nothing to say. Or if I do have something to say, you're probably mad at me about it. So uh, it's really not a great venue for women, in my opinion. I mean, some of them are able to work it for themselves. And I think I do like it still, but like, it's not, I learned like there's, I'm fighting too much to be focusing on it still. And honestly, thank God for like, not really, for the whole scene being kind of like vanquished in New York in a way. It's like kind of restarting, yeah. which I think is good, which is good for the scene. Yeah, the, I mean, I think every niche community had its purging of predators. And obviously, like, there's some really interesting case studies in comedy specifically, mm -hmm. like, a lot of things like, I, I don't know, I think we in the past few years, we've been all having this conversation about the degrees of sexual violence and exploitation. Mm -hmm. Because like, yeah, it is very like, there it's a spectrum of abuse. And I think that also like- leads... Abuse is a spectrum, that's wild, yeah. Hey, so I have to interrupt the uh, podcast again for another ad, unfortunately. Um, you know, this costs money to make. So, you know, you gotta take money from someone. And uh, this time uh, it's for abuse. Yep, abuse. We all know it well. Uh, sometimes we do it to others. Uh, sometimes we do it to ourselves. Uh, sometimes we accept it. Um, it's a lot like the wheel, you know? It's like, you take it for granted, right? Um, abuse sucks. I really don't like it. I hate, I think the one I hate the most is self-abuse. <sighs> but you know, it is normal to sometimes be down, but you should be nice to yourself. 
And also, you should be nice to other people. When I think about abuse of power, I think about two pizza chains in New York. I think about Joe's Pizza, you know, the famous one. Uh, it's on like 14th and like 2nd, I believe. And then they have a Williamsburg location. They have all these pictures with celebrities in there and the pizza's pretty good still, it's like impressively good. Uh, there's always people ordering it. Um, and to be honest, at least in the Williamsburg one lately, the, the workers seem happy. Um, Speedy Romeo, on the other hand, is a highly overrated pizza place in Bushwick um, that used to be amazing. I remember the first time I had Speedy Romeo, I was like, hell yeah. It was great. Um, but you know, they popped, you know, as you do when you're good. A lot like Roberta's, to be frank. Maybe this should be about Roberta's. Honestly, it could be about either of them. Damn, that ad spot got cut off because I got a call. Um, anyway, both of those pizza places uh, suck now. They really suck. Yet, for some reason, people keep going back to them. I think because they're famous or because they used to be good and we have a hard time accept accepting that they suck now. But the fact is, nobody should be spending all that money on that pizza. You can go buy shitty pizza for way cheaper if what you want is shitty pizza. But nobody should be fooling themselves. Honestly, Roberta's and Speedy Romeo should have some integrity. Surely they know, right? But sometimes I wonder maybe they don't know because, you know, sometimes, I think I said this in the last episode, uh, when quality declines uh, with anything, it's almost like it's imperceptible if you're around it the whole time, you know? <sighs> abuse. Thanks, abuse. Uh, without you, uh, what would I be? Have an incredibly nihilistic, like, acceptance. It's like, I guess, like, how, how a Russian would think about their government probably is like, why would I waste my time thinking about it? It's terrible. And I'm, I'm starting yeah. to get that personally. And I'm starting to notice like, huh, this happens. And I, I don't ever want to not be engaged, but I also don't know if it makes sense to how much, how much trauma should I be opening myself up to every day? Because there's so much you can go and just traumatize yourself all day long. You, it's a great point. I think that like, in some ways it's a privilege to ignore it, but then not yes. for everybody. I think for a lot of people, it's like, if you pay attention, how do you like mentally survive? I the think thing that's is, also- like, I think you have to think about like, what are my values? Some of the, sometimes your values can be at odds. Like with money, I like to have fun with money, but I also like to save. Much like with, <laughs> much like, with like politics, it's like, I want to be informed, but I don't want to be traumatized. And like, how can I create boundaries around my mental life in order to like, try to do it. it. Try to do it. <laughs> it's Here, fun. I have a Sheraton pen. There you go. Oh. I had a nail with a personal massager and I put it on my forehead right away and it was like, ow, it hurt so bad. Wait, what? You know, so, you know, I always thought personal massagers were just like a coded word for just like sexual toy. It is sometimes. Yes. They can also just be used to massage. It's so true. And that's, <laughs> people will always be like, what's a good gender neutral toy? I'm like the magic wand because it's literally marketed as a back massager. Like, yeah. I mean, I have, yeah. I have some, I have lots of sex things around me at all times, like lubes and vibrators. What else? That's actually it right now.
that's it for now i've got like a, a random bra with like let me see an that. open an open nipple area it's like a ancient victoria's secret bra that i got on it's got you know like a little nipple peaky peaky booze uh, welcome to my desk. It's covered in porn, so I'm not gonna show you because, like, this is Instagram. I got taken down. Um, this is where my boyfriend live streams from on Twitch. <laughs> What's your boyfriend do? What's he into? Um, records oh. and like a record distribution stuff. Uh, but he's just kind of like, honestly, I think his dream job would be to like host a, a TV show where he just like is a commentator. He's he's good at surfing the net professionally. There are people like that. They're awesome. They're, I'm, I'm like, how did you find this? You know, people know like where to go and like how to make their algorithm work for them. And they make all these accounts and all that stuff, you know? The way I got the algorithm to work for me, I think was just, Oh. Going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation is like, I sold my most deep and intimate personal stories for like 50 bucks to like refinery 29. And like, now I run a fucking online magazine and I pay people like five times that amount or, you yes. know, and I'm just like, <laughs> like I told everybody all my deepest, darkest secrets for 50 bucks in 2014. Yeah. Wow trash i mean obviously there's a reason why it popped off but that is so unethical the paying the artist nothing thing oh i don't really want to say like the name of the company i worked for that did that but i found it very um hypocritical i was like oh like we're we're allegedly like this like liberal like pro-women thing yet why is it that the female engineers which by the way we're still underpaid are paid so much more than the female creatives so much more when when the investment is the investment right yeah so i'm like why wouldn't you know if you if if this platform is about the content then why are we undervaluing the content oh because we're because people like that are used to being treated like shit and that's why you think that's appropriate i disagree it made me really turned off and they'll also like highly monetize those articles too. It's not like they're not making money on these articles. Like when I wrote for other, um, when I wrote for other places, they would tell me I had to link to Amazon or I had to link to a certain website. And I'm just like, I own my own fucking sex toy company. I'm looking at my own goddamn sex toy company. Love it, yeah. Um, it's all about building your own thing. It still has limitations because like, I mean, it does, I mean, my own media content channels don't have limitations, but like when I was in that period of writing for other, yeah, nobody. Well, interesting. I mean, you didn't only use social, you did, I mean, I don't remember super clearly, but I do remember you working for Refinery or writing some for Refinery29. And Refinery29 was like a very different publication six years yes. ago. I'm not trying to act like it, like it definitely is like a male owned buzzy feminist okay. publication and they've done a lot of fucked up stuff since then. And you know, uh, that yeah. stuff you can just find on the internet, but it gave me, like, I would be in a bathroom and people would be like, you wrote that Refinery29 article about pegging, woo! Like, is that you, ha <laughs> And I'd yeah. just be like, it's me. <laughs> That's fun, That's really fun. I mean, it really was cool, like, how early in life, like, you had such a kind of, like, clear idea of, like, what you were into. I remember I really didn't know. 
And I'm only now understanding. It literally has taken me so long. And it's like, literally, I would say mm, this year. <laughs> can I can I show people watching the the G-rated shot that that is not has the no, butt one, not the, the butt one, yeah, the yeah. one that here I'll show you on Zoom before I I sh this one. Sorry, my own bullshit's blocking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. this is a photo I took of Sarah on film, and I also developed it myself. Wow, look at my hand. Sorry, I'm mad at myself. It's my a really mouth. beautiful photo, actually. It's a nice photo. Thank like, you. No, I have other photos that you've taken of me that I really like. Yeah. I mean, there's one of me on the roof where I'm smiling that I really, really like. I used it on Facebook for a while. It was really fun because my hair is in my face. I like my hair being my face. I don't know. It's just, it feels so, it's like I'm here, but I'm not, you know? You can look at me a little bit, uh, but I'm having fun, you know? Just like, that's how that makes me feel, you know? I feel like you and I got along at age 20 also because I think we just both really, like, both really aside from me taking over your closet, uh, I feel like we were both just very like, we were like, do your thing. Like I'm over here, yeah. you're over there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like we yeah. were very like, I get you, you're cool. And we didn't like, yeah. we didn't, like poke at like we oh, yeah. we we'd had such little conflicts really no, I have a lot of respect and interest I'll never forget one hilarious thing you did in the bathroom do you what I do you might have forgotten it was really I, funny you put a sign that was like this is a women's bathroom no pooping allowed <laughs> that's funny <laughs> I'll never forget it I thought it was really funny and then I remember your your um what are they collages they were great they were always oh, that's cool and then when you started like I love that you had the guts to know that they were good enough to try to get them out there because I think that's like a lot of like emotional comfort to like understand that like your work is not just like cute and for the house and like mm. <laughs> like you do deserve to actually make it like a thing like other people would like it and I guess you probably realized that because you people probably complimented you right so I mean I think a lot of I mean I my art I have some bad art I've made a lot of bad art you can't really make good art with all without also making bad art I think um I think it's just it was my gateway into sex ed like I wouldn't be a sex educator if I hadn't made porn collages I mean I would have probably found it a different way but it was like the porn art that led to the actual knowledge and education because like I still collect porn to this day. Like my basement has hundreds of porn magazines in them. I was telling you last night too, that like one of our other roommate threw away some of my porn because she was like, she was like judgmental of me for having so much porn. And I was just like, it, it was also like 50 late fifties playboy, like, which is not porn. It's like barely porn. Yeah, Hardly. it's like soft core beauty shoots that are naked, you know, but yeah. I, she threw these porns away that are probably worth a lot today. And like, I also have a special place in my heart as like a porn collector, you know? What was hard for me is I remember being criticized by her for being too modest. Weird. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I get that you're from a place where it's like normal for people to grab your ass, but I'm not. And I, <laughs> I don't like being, first of all, I don't like being talked to on the street. I'm learning how to deal with that. Um, yeah, New York street harassment. So yeah, and I'm learning like, 
even if I like the way this looks and I think it's nice and I think it looks good maybe on Instagram, I don't want to be around a bunch of men in it. Hmm. I just, it, there's, it's not me not being comfortable with my sexuality, just that I don't want yeah. to learn well, every situation, right? I think that's a lot of what being 20 is about also is like, I'm expressing myself and like, maybe I'm going to push the envelope and go a little too far and reel it back in a little too far. Like it's really playing with that boundary of like, yeah. How do I want to present myself in the world? And at one point, I mean, certainly for me, I transitioned from like wearing sundresses as my main outfit to like yeah. crop, crop tops and booty shorts. And like, yeah. I don't know if that was just like a thing one day I was like, this is what I'm going to wear now. But I, but then I, I like reeled I, it back in. Like there's so many clothes so many I used to wear and you know, I just can't really think of many situations where those are clothes I'd be wearing, but I hang on to them. Like, not like there's anything against that, but like, oh man, I was in Ann Arbor, which is where University of Michigan is during uh, freshman orientation week. I was just like accidentally in near the university. And I was just like, oh, everyone's butt cheeks are hanging out. Like, I, I yeah. hope and like I noticed myself judging younger women and like I think we all do this subconsciously and it's like good to be aware of right when we're judging other people who are doing stuff that we also once did like and also like I'm naked online so what what am I like it's not like oh you slut it's just like be careful your butt cheeks are out you know like not or like oh, it's shit, so I remember when I thought I wanted that and I remember what happened later that night that I didn't like. And it's like, it's literally not even about slut shaming. Yeah, we've had traumatizing experiences. Yeah. yeah. It's not even about slut shaming or being judgmental no. or really yeah. having yeah. any firm belief about how anybody should present. It's just like, honestly, first of all, for me now it's a place of empathy, but anytime in the past, yeah. I'll be honest with you, I feel like I discovered like organically feminism in myself on accident because I was sexist at Fordham. I oh we all like everybody is sexist like of course you're born sexist just like yeah I think racist etc and it's like the undoing know. yeah so so I remember like second year of Fordham I was in a philosophy class and by this time I was I accidentally had become a guy's girl not of my own making but because of the things I was interested in and so when another woman was in my class in a more advanced philosophy class, I was like, what's that bitch doing here? That was my first oh, no. <laughs> heart reaction. What's that bitch I doing? I have here? to argue with somebody who's somebody exactly the same as me because they're also a woman. Yeah, I know no, what you mean. Like, yeah. When you accidentally become a token, you accidentally identify with being the token and you start identifying mm -hmm. with like the power structure yeah and then, honestly it's like that that whole week it bugged me that I had that reaction and then I was like it was kind of how it was with religion for me like I had a problem and it bugged me and I thought about it for a week and then I was like oh, this is the whole thing this is the whole thing this is the whole thing like that girl is totally fine what's wrong is this, yeah the society that I live in where that's how my heart reacted to right. her you know mm -hmm. and then or, similar yeah yeah well it similar, makes me think like two or three years later I used to like you know, not be annoyed by women who were more successful than me, but I was like intimidated to the extent that it, I tried to like rationalize it as like there was something about them and me that just didn't values align for me. Like I really just try to explain it to myself. Like when someone I admired, I admired them. I, I had issues with it. 
and it was weird because I was like, man, I wish I had female friends and I like these girls. Like I'm an engineer and I do comedy. So there's not a lot of women. I'm like, what if I just tried making friends with the women who scare me? And I did, and a lot of them are my friends now. And I'm like, wait, this is great. Like, it doesn't have to be competition. It really doesn't. Like, you can love and support people and you can, I, I love my male friends and I love my gal pals. And like, I learned so much from all of them. And like, it really unlocked a whole world for me when I, when I really discovered that. But, you know, the world makes it hard for you to learn that. It takes a long time. It reminds me of how when we are dating or fucking a man who is either cheating on you with a, a, a woman or is talking to a woman and in a way that feels like it's threatening your relationship, the, in, the impulse is to take it out on the other woman instead of the man. Yeah, like... Yeah. that's that's a classic example of that that like I mean geez like I I was in a relationship with one of those types of dudes who like tries to make you jealous of their ex and it's like yeah I still love her and how much I obsessed over oh what does she have that I don't and then I was like oh wait you are just a fucking asshole your ex-girlfriend is probably the shit like exactly Sounds like she left you because you're an asshole and now I'm yeah. stuck with you and uh -huh. I should be her friend. <laughs> because like, exactly. that's always the thing. Uh, like, so um, in general, men like who have too many exes they don't like or a history of exploded relationships, that's probably his fault. Usually, usually. Yeah, I mean, who's the lowest common, who's the common denominator? It's not always because you're an asshole. Maybe you like just haven't figured your shit out and, or you're like an alcoholic or there's something like that. But like when, like, yeah, there is a pattern. Like I know that my pattern prior to moving to Detroit was just like a lot of drunk, barely sober sex that was like very risky and experimental and I was just like, I want to feel something. I want to feel something, you know? And like, I don't think that I was ever actively trying to hurt anybody, but I think I would inadvertently hurt people who would develop real feelings for me. And I would just be like, ah, I'm a drunk bitch. Leave me alone. Um, you're not abusing. You're not fucking with my brain. Yeah. <laughs> also, there is almost this retaliatory version of feminism that is toxic. That's like, oh, you guys use me. So I'm going to use you. And that's like really mean. Nobody should be using anybody and everybody has feelings. And even if they don't, you know, this is the same goes both ways. It's like women often play it cool. Like, oh, I don't want anything. And, you know, guys do that too. Guys do that too. And like, you got to know that like, you know, what people say and how people feel and what they behave. It's like, sometimes you say what you wish was true or you believe is true, but it isn't necessarily true. You know, and it's hard to totally know yourself. I think that's a good reason for everybody to just always err on the side of taking it slow and also why consent is not just about the words we're saying it's about our body language and our facial expressions and yeah like you know if you're being like yeah sure that's not an enthusiastic yes no, <laughs> and I don't think people are ever trying to be intentionally misleading although I think a lot of people like to blame you know victim blame as they say but like yeah none of us are in the habit of like 
the fear of rejection really makes it such a loaded baked potato, but it's like, what if you could just see the no and the rejection as the, like a rejection of a sex act instead of rejection of you as a person, like, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like, then that's where I get to like, how you relate to how people treat you often has to do with how you relate to yourself. Like if you really love yourself and respect yourself and someone doesn't want to have sex with you, uh, you go, you know, here's my cocky attitude. I'm like, mm, that's a you problem. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't want to have sex with me? That sucks. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but like, but also it's like, because now that's like my, almost maybe my defense mechanism is to like joke about it. But like, um if, oh, if you, you're tweaking it yeah if you love yourself like you at least don't let it like insult your whole fucking like uh right. version of like who you are and like your words yeah. and like make it all about your body which is what women do all the time and it makes me so damn sad because it's it's usually never about that and if it is fuck that guy because you don't need him you don't want him anyway if he's not attracted to you you don't want to sleep with him i honestly think everybody has those body insecurities and there's just more of a normalization, normalization for, for excuse me for women to talk about them but i if i've learned anything like, like selling my nudes on only fans you know it's just like men are or you know like everyone's just really insecure and it's just it comes out in different ways and there are different things that we worry about like like we were talking about like the erection thing like i actually was like I got paid to consult on like research on erections and how mm-hmm. erections like impact our social relationships. Like it was more of like, as a sex educator, what do you think about people and erections? Like, yeah, and it was I mean, such a, I, I mean, like it was like an hour long conversation. I never thought yeah. I could talk about a thing that like I personally couldn't care less about. Cause I'm just like, cool. That's what your hands, mouth, dildos are for but it takes it took me a really long time to get there and I I would rather have a partner who's just like yep my boner's wonky uh you know like let's do this I'm gonna fucking eat the shit out of your pussy like I could not fucking care less yeah the point is like in general with all all activities I'm like okay maybe I want to have sex right now with him or whatever situation I'm in whatever for whatever reason one of us is not working uh, it can happen later. It, yeah. it happen yeah. right now. Yeah. Not everything has to be satisfied right now. Sarah, Sarah. I it's thought that there, uh, I thought we, sex had to be instantaneous, and I thought it had to look like it does in the movies. Sarah, you're telling me that's wrong. Yeah. It, yeah. No, in, in in a way, there's almost like you can spin it more positively. Like I think part of what is so nice that I really understand about sex for me is des- both safety and desire, and like. If I have to wait a little bit, like that's very pleasurable. Like if I oh have my to God, ask, yeah. think about good. I want to yeah. I want to chew on the cut of your body. Yeah, like <laughs> nah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> that's fun. Like like that's what I remember about high school being so erotic. Is like first of all, we have all these controls that are like pretty healthy, which is can't like, fuck it. I, I mean, you could, but kind of like it's hard like you don't have a car until you're 16 your parents probably don't want you leaving the house that's kind of like hot (laughs) and like oh yeah like I'm under the comforter with my my phone just like hey uh I don't want anybody to hear me but (laughs) yeah it's 
I miss, I miss like late night. I miss, I miss getting four hours of sleep because I was up all night fucking on the phone. And like, that's the healthy version of like digital sex, in my opinion, where it's like real, like deep desire and longing, not just like, oh, like, look, there's 1000 gazillion people who I can treat like shit whenever I want to. And I can fuck them and with no consequences, because none of them know each other and none of them know my friends. In a fucked up way. Oh, yeah. Continue. I'm just sorry. It's like, I just, it's not like I'm anti-technology. I literally, I'm a software engineer and I Ooh. use Instagram and I'm Evidently. Like into it, but like, you know, there's ways to use these things for good. And there's ways to use these things taught in a toxic way. And sometimes what's crazy for, especially with Instagram, I always am thinking about this as part of why my handle is FOMO machine is like, I love, I love it. I think there's good FOMO and bad FOMO. And <laughs> And there I will also, always be FOMO. You could always be missing out on something. Yeah. But sometimes if you don't want to miss out on something, that's a good sign that you should pursue it. So there's a beautiful way to look at FOMO as well. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, like Instagram, you can, if you don't have the right boundaries, you can let it ruin your life. But if you have the right boundaries, it can be great. And it's, that's I think that's... Thing a fucked up silver lining of COVID and people really having to not just negotiate sex, but like how they're going to meet up and like, you're forced to have like a a negotiation conversation before sex is even in the picture. I think that's like, I think COVID in a weird way is, is strengthening our consent skills. Yeah. And then it can go both ways. I feel like some people are in COVID relationships right now, which is like, Ooh, I'm scared of germs and I don't have any better options. So now we're together yeah but, but part of what's good about COVID is like you get to just do lots of normal shit together like go to the grocery store and like cook and like do basic stuff that's like you should be able to do those things with someone you really care about and I think that's really pretty like that's nice go on walks go to the park read a book you know 100% so it's romantic like I was like you know there were definitely times where I you know over the course of this whole lockdown was like is this guy only talking to me because I'm convenient and right here and he has no other options because maybe I'm some kind of lunatic for being willing to go on a socially distanced walk. By the way, how Victorian is that? May I take you on a socially distanced walk? It's like, that feels weird. Whoa. Anyway, yeah, like you can get really insecure about dating during this time, but also like, you know, trust yourself, maybe your instincts. If you're feeling bad about it, then don't do it. But then question like, why do you feel bad? Are you making it up? (laughs) Sometimes you don't know. Yeah, my brain is just like, my brain looks so different than it did. I mean, I'm stating the obvious here. I'm just like, feel like we've all done a lot of growing up in the last eight months eight months yeah I don't know I got a I adopted a COVID puppy I I got a corona adoption you know like I got a dog now and I'm just like wow like my priorities are so different my priorities are like my family and loved ones and you know my family including all the creatures in this house including my boyfriend and just like yeah like the new love language of space and how much I love my alone time now and cannot get enough of it. And like, I, 
I was going on a hike with my dog, Randy, in the woods the other day. And I was like, what was I doing this time last year? I certainly was not on a fucking hike. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I just see someone just ask, what if you feel completely asexual and have since March? That's okay. Yeah. I mean, also asexuality isn't something that comes and goes. Like people who are asexual are asexual, but also people who are asexual have sex. So I don't know where this question is like coming from, but like, listen, nobody, yeah, nobody's horny right now. It's the least sexy time to be alive or the most sexy, depending on how you look at it. Oh, I'll be honest. I did not feel sexy in February and March. (laughs) Not at all. I was like, oh my God, nothing about that was sexy. I, uh, I have a podcast with my boyfriend. It's called hot brain. And we have a interview coming up. That's with a licensed sex therapist Angie Gunn where we talk about like libido during COVID so Mm -hmm. if anybody wants like actual therapist advice like that that's coming up on the horizon not to not to plug my own content when it's organic and you're excited about it don't hold back yeah yeah that's what I learned I'm literally plugging my stuff all the time and I was like is this annoying and it's like no 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 I just like it and I'm doing things I like to do. And because I'm excited, I'm telling people. About yeah. Well, I mean, since we are getting towards the end I and we are like streaming on Instagram, but we're also recording this for, mm-hmm. yeah, FOMO yeah. Foundation. Um, yeah. <laughs> like where, yeah. where can everybody who's on the live, who doesn't know necessarily like where to yeah. find FOMO Foundation, where can they find that? And then I'll tell yeah. FOMO Foundation, where to find me? Hell yeah. Okay. So FOMO Foundation is a podcast that I run. My name is Sarah. My Instagram is FOMO Machine. If you're interested in my podcast, you can go to my Instagram page and you can click the link to my Patreon. And then you'll see all the details about my podcast. I post free stuff on my Patreon and paid stuff. And it's new. It's baby. I have five cute little subscribers. It's baby. Yeah. So honestly, come for, come for free or come to support. Either way, I'm excited to share. That's where I'm at. Fuck yeah. And I'm hyped to reconnect with an old friend. I know. I mean, it really, this doesn't feel like we had that much catching up to do. Like you, I feel like talking to you feels like it always did. Like you look the same and in a good way, like seriously, like it's like a decade has not elapsed. Um, Thank you. I guess for podcast listeners slash any person who randomly found this live, I am Zoe Ligon, aka Thongria. The name has no meaning. It is just my handle. Um, I always wondered what the Yeah, I always wonder too how that, it just, you know what? It was my, coincidentally, my Instagram handle when my first uh, article blew up and I just like, well, I guess I got to keep this because it's how people know me now. Um, like I see somebody in the comments is calling me Ria, like R-I-A. Like that's kind of cute. I like that. You can also just call me Thong. That's fine. Um, but I own Spectrum Boutique, which is a sex toy store. That is my main grind. Although I also have a book that just came out called Carnal Knowledge that I 
published with my friend Elizabeth Renstrom, who honestly, Sarah, you might have met at one point because I met her around the same time I met you. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we talked about so many things. This was wonderful. Yeah. I had a good time. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so glad this was recorded also because I think that even though we touched base a little bit last night, like I think it is nice to connect with somebody that feels like you knew in a different lifetime and just be like reaffirmed like, oh, maybe I wasn't as awful or crazy as I thought I was or like, I don't know. I thought you were really going to be like, Zoe, you were a menace. Uh <laughs> to be honest, I really think it's actually very important that we talked about that one bed, like roommate who shall not be named. I did a bad thing to her once too, and I feel bad about it. I did a bad thing where um there was menstrual blood in the shower, and I was really grossed out by it. And I was like, "Bitch, you better get back and you better clean this up because I don't want to be in here." I was very sensitive about menstrual menstrual blood, and I should have just not been, but I was. And then I didn't have to deal with it, and it made her feel bad. And I don't think that was nice of me. And I'm sorry if she's. If she comes across it, I'm sorry for that. And I'm also sorry for sleeping <laughs> I'm also, I, I'm going to put out my apology to you and our other roommate that I feel like I was really reckless with the men I brought over and I was certainly putting myself in danger, but like, I don't think it's appropriate to just have a train of men fucking you in your apartment where like other people live without just checking in with your roommates. Like... It depends on your relationship, but I think that had I had that same roomy setup today, I would be like, hey, is it cool if I have this person over? Yeah. And I don't think I ever did that. I would just be like, come on in. It'd be like, just a given that it was, okay. I believe you. (laughs) Come on, Sarah. Make everybody think I was having a wild and crazy sex life.